So if you're listening to the podcast, you have been warned, and the folks in the room, if you haven't seen the movie, and also have somehow managed to avoid any discussion of the plot for the last two months, that I promise I won't be personally offended if you want to cover your ears when I say the word spoiler later on. Infinity War is the 19th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which started with Iron Man in 2008, and the most recent installment of which was Black Panther. And a plug here, if you have, if you weren't here for Jessica's excellent Black Panther sermon a few weeks ago, I highly recommend you listen to the podcast. I haven't seen all 19 of these films, but somewhat to my surprise when I tallied them up, I've seen 13 of them. <laughs> billion dollars in counting worldwide. I think the franchise's success goes beyond its considerable entertainment value, though. At their best, superhero stories are our myths of the 21st century. Tales that help us understand our world and how to best live in it. Although I've seen most of the movies, I'm hardly an expert. I feel about the Marvel canon a little like I feel about the Bible. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm a serious jeopardy of messing up the quotes if I don't check them first. <laughs> so there is actually this really fun website I came across called, you ready for this? Bible or Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> and the questions are not as easy as I thought they might be. <laughs> for example, which, which is this quote from? The Bible or a, a Marvel book? From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. Anyone think Avengers? Okay, so that is the Bible. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But if you thought it was a Marvel quote, you're almost right. It's very similar to what Uncle Ben tells Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. How about this one? Uh, Devise a plan, it will fail. Make a prediction, it will not happen. That's a lot of Avengers, but that's actually the Bible. That's <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah chapter 8, verse 10. <laughs> and what about In times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. Who thinks Avengers? Who thinks Bible? Alright, we got a mix. That is T'Challa, Black Panther himself. <laughs> the Marvel Universe is dense and complicated and diverse. Some of the films are fun and light in tone, and others tackle more serious things, but they're all part of the same tapestry. Infinity War jams almost all the characters we've met in the past 18 films together. It's a really fun and interesting way. Yeah, they're all up there. <laughs> it also packs an emotional wall. This is the only superhero movie I have watched that had me crying all the way through the end credits and thinking about it for weeks afterward. The main plot here is that Thanos, that big guy at the top, who witnessed the devastation of his home planet due to overpopulation, has been going around the universe for years, systematically invading planets and killing half their population to ensure prosperity for the rest of the residents of those planets. His plan is to do this even more efficiently by finding all six of the Infinity Stones that were scattered across the universe during the Big Bang. 
With all six stones, you will be able to control all key aspects of the universe. Space, reality, power, mind, time, and soul. If he's able to get all six stones, he says, he will be able to simply snap his fingers, and 50% of the universe's population will simply cease to exist. One critic called Thanos perversely relatable in that, unlike many comic book villains who are seeking power for the sake of power, Thanos believes his sociopathic behavior is in the service of the greater good. The way he tells it, he's saving the universe from himself, restoring balance and order to something that's gone off the rails. And here's where the spoiler comes in, folks. Contrary to all reasonable expectations we might have about how superhero movies are supposed to work, Thanos wins. All the efforts of an entire universe full of superheroes are not enough. There are some close calls, but Thanos assembles all of the Infinity Stones, he indeed snaps his fingers, and half the beings in the universe crumble. The snapocalypse, as it's been dubbed, doesn't discriminate. Every being in the universe has a chance of being snapped out, including our heroes. I think the movie does a good job of taking this big, inconceivable thing and making it intimate and personal, as we see roughly half the main characters crumble to dust as their colleagues and friends helplessly watch. It's not just an abstract universe out there somewhere disappeared. It's also not just the B-list characters, the sidekicks, and those who maybe aren't as emotionally attached to who go. There's also no obvious quick fix here. There's no, yeah, we're just messing with you moment when Superman flies around the world backwards for the first time to say what his name. Um, by the end of the movie, everyone's done everything they can. There's nobody left to swoop in and save the day. And that's where this movie really grabbed me. Infinity War leaves its characters and its audience to sit in fear and doubt and uncertainty and loss. It strips away the illusion of control. That's a story that doesn't get told much, although it is at the heart our experience as human beings. As Buddhist teacher Pema Chodron puts it, things fall apart as a kind of testing and also a kind of healing. We think that the point is to pass the test or to overcome the problem, but the truth is that things don't really get solved. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen and for grief a relief, a misery, a joy. She says, letting there be room for not knowing is the most important thing. Letting there be room for not knowing is the most important thing. Now, Thanos' plan doesn't really make sense to me on many levels. But one critical issue is that he has left no room for the possibility of not knowing. As he sees it, he has a choice. Either half the universe's population dies, or everyone will harvest up. 
This sounds reasonable, maybe even compassionate, on the surface at least. But it is a false choice that leaves out many other potential outcomes. Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner in their book, Super Economics, write, when the solution to a given problem doesn't vibrate before our eyes, it's easy to assume that no solution exists. But history has shown again and again that such assumptions One example of this was the looming public health crisis facing the 1890s by the world's largest city. As the urban population and the need for transportation increased, cities like New York and London were literally covered in horse manure from all the horse drawn carriages. In 1894, in fact, the London Times forecast that by the middle of the 20th century, every street in the city would be covered under nine feet of manure. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we all know that didn't happen, but based on the information at hand, the problem really seemed insurmountable. And then, by 1917, the problem had disappeared because automobiles and buses had supplanted horse-drawn transportation entirely. And technology continued to accelerate from there. So I know this is a little hard to see in the back, but the uh, lower axis is years. So it starts in the year 1400 and goes up to 2050. And you'll see that the car that I just mentioned is about three quarters of the way down the graph. So there's not much that happens between 1400 and say 1870. Um, and then you'll see um, there are little dots that rapidly increase along the side here. Um, including putting a man on the moon, and then we have personal computers, and then we have the iPhone, and then we have 3D printing, and it goes on and on and on. Now, I was born in 1974. Much of this exponential growth on this side of the screen has happened during my lifetime. And one of the challenges of this is that it's difficult for people to think exponentially. We tend to think in straight lines. So my personal experience that it took 20 years to go from the personal computer to the iPhone makes me think it would probably take about 20 years for the next iteration to happen. But we all know it didn't take nearly that long. And we're just at the beginning of this curve. Imagine that this line extends all the way through the ceiling up into the sky. If this continues, and there's no reason to believe it won't, in the next 20 years, there are going to be increasingly rapid developments in technology that we haven't even dreamed of. So as it turns out, there is good reason to believe that the future will be better than we think. It was definitely better than the people worrying about nine feet of first anymore thought it would be. And there is a shadow side to this exponential change. This is what Delisha Kulasuria, head of strategy and research for the outfit provocatively called the Center for the Edge, calls a paradox of life in the 21st century. He says, the world changes rapidly. Our needs as human beings, not so much. It is a time of great and increasing stress, the sense of boundless options for some, and the awareness of limited time for most. A sense of having just missed something, and the fear of missing more. The thrill of seeing a 3D car printed, and the unease of wondering which jobs were made for us in the age of intelligent machines. The hyperconnection and the loss of connection. 
the expectation of on-demand everything, and the appeal of the handmade. In the midst of all this change, there is also the shadow of increasing inequality that can't be ignored. It's predicted that the richest 1% will own two-thirds of global wealth by 2030. For the rest of the world's population, the tangible impacts of this disparity are also a source of ever-increasing tension, stress, and anxiety. And there are many events that human beings, even with all these technological advances, just can't control. My husband Owen and I visited the Christchurch New Zealand Earthquake Museum over there in April. The centerpiece of the museum is a video that runs continuously with survivors of the February 22, 2011, magnitude 6.3 earthquake, telling their personal stories of that day. These are people just living their lives, going to lunch, or sitting at their desk at work, or driving to pick up their kids at 12.51 p.m. on a random Tuesday. Just like any other day. And then things literally fell One of the many stories is from a man who, on that particular Tuesday, was in the air returning home to Christchurch from Auckland. When the plane had to turn around and go back to Auckland because of the earthquake damage. As they watched the news back in Auckland, he saw that the building his wife worked in had collapsed. He worked to get back to Christchurch as fast as he could, hoping that she was out to lunch but after days of waiting, of not knowing, her remains were finally identified. He powerfully concluded his story by saying that since that day, he takes more chances and tries to live his life to the fullest because he feels he is living his life for both of them. This was one among many stories of hope and loss and trauma and resilience from that particular time and place. And there are countless other such stories from around the world throughout time and in our own personal experience that connect us to this fundamental human truth of uncertainty. In this uncertainty lies the possibility of grief and loss. And as those who live through the Christchurch earthquake attest to through helping you, the very real possibility of connection, compassion, and grace. One of the reasons the Marvel movies work is that they reflect the stresses, paradoxes, and possibilities of modern life back to us and that it's far enough removed that we can see them. As daring as it was, clearly the ending of Infinity War isn't going to stand. The studio has already announced that several of the characters who disintegrated at the end have sequels in the works. <laughs> They've also been silent on even the title for the conclusion of the Infinity War story scheduled to be released in May 2019. Luckily, we're not going to make this wait that long. <laughs> My hope, though, is that this resolution will not be easy, will not be simple, and it will not be cheap. I hope our remaining heroes will move beyond their pride and egos and desire to be right and to gain and to immediately fix things. I 
hope their response to the events of Infinity War rises above matching violence with violence. I hope instead of pointing fingers at each other and assigning blame for their failed attempt at Fort Thanos, they will make room for not knowing and come together in their effort. I hope that things don't go back to exactly the way they were. And I hope that even if the results aren't permanent, these traumatic events forever change the characters and the worlds that they inhabit, maybe even for the better. I hope that, like any good myth, the conclusion of this story will offer us an aspirational view of how to live our lives in our complex, stressful, volatile, anxious, and I hope it models for us how to make room for not knowing and everything that holds. Room for grief and for joy, for unkindness and for grace, for suffering and for compassion. So may we. Will you pray with me?